Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. Now, what Jesus is saying is this, the old skins, after you use them a number of times over the years, they'd get hard and crispy. And they'd just be too rigid to hold any liquid. If you put liquid into it, it would leak out. So what Jesus was saying is this old Judaism, this old way of trying to be right with God by offering sacrifices, by trying to be good enough, by doing through religious ritual, it won't work. It can't hold the new wine. The world often views the life of a follower of Jesus as boring, restrictive, binding, lacking in joy. There's a good reason for that. Because a lot of professing believers act that way while doing God's work. What's happened to us? Where's our joy? Where's our zeal? Serving God, obeying His Word, helping others, that's not bondage. That's a joy and a privilege. Pastor Mark will challenge us today to check our motivation, to check our calling. Where does God want you? Where have you been gifted? Are you serving in the flesh? Or are you relying on the power of God to enable you to do His will? Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. I'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, let's join Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 2, verse 18, with part one of our message entitled, Following Jesus, Freedom or Bondage? When we watch Jesus in his encounters, he'll be with his disciples, but he'll also tagging along will be the Pharisees, the religious, pious people of the day. There will be a great difference in the attitude of the Pharisees than the attitude of Jesus. I want to ask you this morning, do you believe that God designed our lives to be full of fun and joy and excitement? Or does the seriousness of everyday life make laughter incompatible with your life? I believe for many Christians, we have lost the childlike perspective of enjoying life. You see, laughter and humor has a tremendous healing property in our life. But we've let life box us in. We're just too serious to enjoy life. And I believe this morning, if you'll follow me through, that we can have a little attitude adjustment. I'm going to show you four attitudes that come from following Jesus Christ if you're taking notes. Let's watch them and see what God says to your heart. Number one, following Jesus will bring you joy. Following Jesus will bring you joy. Look at chapter 2 of Mark, verse 18. Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. And some people came and asked Jesus, how is it that John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees are fasting, but Jesus, your disciples aren't fasting? Now fasting 
is still an application today that we use in our life. You know, fasting is where you take an abstinence of food and sometimes liquid for a short period of time and you dedicate your heart in seeking God for direction, for liberalization in your life from spiritual oppression and so forth. We'll talk about fasting today, but that's what it was. It is a biblical principle and when we talk about prayer in a couple of weeks, we'll see that it still should be part of our lives. Fasting should be. So what happened is, you remember we left Jesus last week how many know we left Jesus last week at a party? He was with Matthew, who had just become converted, and they went to Matthew's home, and they were having a great party. And Jesus is eating with the sinners and his disciples, and the old Pharisees are out front of the party looking in, going, what are you doing in there? You're with sinners. What? You can't be with sinners. Jesus said, well, who do you think I should be with? I'm always with sinners. I'm trying to win them to Jesus Christ. That's how their marriages are changed. That's how their lives are changed. That's why I'm there. Well, on that particular day, most commentators believe that the reason the Pharisees asked this question at the beginning of this passage of Scripture is this, that the day that Jesus was partying was a fast day for the Pharisees. So they were fasting. They expected all Jews to be fasting, but Jesus is partying. So they're saying to Jesus, hey, you're not fasting. Your disciples aren't fasting. John the Baptist's disciples are fasting, and we're fasting. What's wrong with you? Well, let's think about it. In the Old Testament, the Jewish belief, God instituted one day of fasting every year. It was on the Day of Atonement. And fasting in the Old Testament was concerned with mourning and sadness. It was over the sin of their lives. The Pharisees knew that there was certainly this Day of Atonement and the fasting that went on. But they added with their own rules and regulations this. Every Monday, every Thursday, 6 a.m., 6 p.m., a Jew would fast. So if you lived in the time of Jesus here, you would be fasting every Monday and every Thursday, 12 hours. Well, they not only instituted that, but then, to show their spirituality, on those fast days, the Pharisees would take ashes, they'd whiten their faces, they'd dishevel their hair, they'd tear their clothing, and they'd walk through town, and people go, ooh, holy men. They really didn't do that. They went, yuck. But they tried to be special, super spiritual. We'll see when we study fasting, Jesus says you don't fast outwardly. In fact, you don't even tell anybody. You do it privately. It's between you and God. But they were always trying to do things to get extra holy points with the people. So into this time of mourning and fasting that the Pharisees were doing, it had become, because it was Monday and Thursday, every day, wrong attitude, it had become nothing more than just a ritual there was no spiritual meaning to it anymore at all. Nothing good was happening. It was nothing but an old ritual. Do you know that we can have rituals in our lives today? Even this morning as we worship, some of us, you know, did this. And you saw somebody raise your hand. Well, I guess that's what they do in this church. That's cool or whatever. Other churches, they sit up and down. We just stand all the time and raise our hands. We can be just as ritualistic with nothing happening in our hearts. But that's what happened on those days. Now, the other group of people that were fasting... John the Baptist's disciples. Most people believe that John the Baptist's disciples were fasting for the right reason, because their leader, John the Baptist, was currently in prison, ready to be deheaded. 
So they were fasting. But Jesus and his disciples aren't fasting. We'll see why. Let's look at the next verses. Jesus gives the reason why they're not fasting. Verse 19. Jesus answered and said this, How can the guests of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? They cannot so long as they have him with them. So Jesus is going to say, I'm going to compare this fasting to a relationship called a wedding, which these guys knew about. Now, in those days, wedding feasts were different. When my wife and I came to Florida, up north when you had weddings, you always had these big spreads. You had invited everybody and people hocked their house and the relatives for everything. You had sit-down dinners and all this food. Well, we came down here and the first two weddings we went to, you know, we, we kind of didn't eat before and we're getting ready to get going to that big wedding. We went and had cake and a few nuts in a cup or something. <laughs> we starved to death. We said, what do they do down here? No wonder everybody gets married down here. It's a cheap way to do it, whatever. <laughs> well, in those days, the wedding didn't just happen one day. It wasn't a sit-down dinner. It was a seven-day affair. You didn't go on a honeymoon. The couple stayed in town and everybody celebrated. And if there was anything that was happening religiously during that week, it was canceled. You just had a great time. So what Jesus is saying is, I've come. I'm the bridegroom. My disciples and the Christians, they're here celebrating at the wedding. It's a time of celebration. So what Jesus was saying is this, wherever Jesus is should be a time of celebration. See, to the Jews, it was a time of mourning. To Jesus, it was a time of celebration. Now, notice what he says in verse 20, because he goes on and explains something very interesting. He says, but the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and on that day they will fast. Now, Jesus was never against fasting. It's not what he's saying, because notice he says the day will come when they will fast. We know Jesus fasted himself. But he was saying there, you had to do it for the right reasons and at the right time. Here Jesus says he is predicting his soon coming death, but it goes right over the head of the disciples. He says there's a time coming when the bridegroom, Jesus, will be taken from them, from the wedding party, from the celebration time. Well, when was that? Well, when Jesus died on the cross, he was taken from the disciples and all the followers. And during that time, those three days, Jesus says, on that day that I'm taken, they will begin to fast and mourn. That's exactly what happened. The disciples lost their Savior. It was a time of sadness, but it only lasted three days. For on Easter morning, Jesus was resurrected, and the bridegroom was once again with his people, and it was time again for a joy. Remember, he met the women, he said, why are you weeping? It's time for joy again. So Jesus says, yes, there is coming a time, but really, when I'm here, my presence should give to you a sense of joy, of happiness. Now, happiness is not the same as joy. Happiness depends on circumstances. If you're happy about the Wall Street, if you shorted everything, you know, the week before or whatever, you're happy. But that's not what life's about. It isn't about the Wall Street or whatever. It's about my relationship with God. And the joy is that which is an inward act and comes from us. Now, this morning, let me just ask you simply this. If you're a Christian, Jesus Christ lives inside you. Are you joyful? David says it very well in the Old Testament. 
he says this, In thy presence is fullness of joy. There should be joy in your heart because Jesus lives in your life if you're a Christian this morning. You should be enjoying life. Now to prove his point, Jesus didn't use a pair of pants and a bikini, but he uses two practical illustrations. He probably would have, but he uses two other practical illustrations. They wouldn't have been caught dead or they probably would have been dead in a bikini in those days. All right. Point number two brings us to these two practical illustrations. Point number two is this. Following Jesus will bring newness and freshness. Following Jesus will bring newness and freshness. Look at verse 21. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. If he does, the new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. So Jesus is going to try to give an illustration of why there is a difference between his life and the Pharisee's life. In those days, you didn't have sand fries clothing, clothing and whatever, and you'd take a shirt or a blouse, and the way you'd, you'd wear it, and the way you wash it, you'd beat it on the rock and beat it on the rock, and you'd wear it 30 or 40 times, and it would just shrink, as you can imagine. It wasn't like our clothing today, even though some of our 100% clothing uh, cotton still shrinks. And if you got a big hole in your shirt and your blouse and you took this new piece of cloth and you, in those days you didn't go down to Kmart or Walmart and buy something, you, you fixed up what you had. He said you couldn't take this brand new piece of cloth and put it on because it hadn't shrunk yet. You do it one time in the washer, <laughs> bigger hole. So he's beginning to give them an illustration and they're trying to think, okay, cloth, old cloth, new cloth. What is he talking about? Well, let me give you an, an illustration of what he's really saying. The cloth the old shirt or whatever, the old blouse that Jesus Christ is talking about there is the old covenant. It's the old system in the Old Testament. Let me give you a quick review of Old Testament history for all of us this morning to bring you up to speed. When man was in the garden, he sinned. Because of sin, sin separates man from God. He can't be in relationship with God. So what happened is God came to Abraham and said, I want to establish a people called the Jews. And I want to make a covenant with you, Abraham, that I will be your God. You need to be my people. I know the people are sinning people, but here's the way to cover their sin. And God instituted the law, the old covenant. And of course, it was renewed by Moses at Mount Oreb, if you remember that. And here's what it really said. See, God and man were separated, and the sin separated man and God. Well, how can man take care of his sin? There was only one way, through the shedding of blood. The life is in the blood. And so God said to Abraham, there will be sacrifices, and you will sacrifice animals. And basically, it was done one day a year. And the high priest would, would go through all his rituals, as we studied when we went through the book of Leviticus. He would go into the holies of holy in their temple area where the presence of God was symbolized. They'd put bells around him on the bottom of his robe and tie a rope around his feet. And he would go in and offer these sacrifices, put blood on, the, on all the areas of the special holy instruments, and say, God would say, the sins of the people have been covered. And on that day, when the priest came out, you went, yay, my sins have been covered. And you were right with God. The problem was that often the priest wasn't even right with God. That's why the bells. 
So he'd go in, if he wasn't right with God, if he was living a life that didn't match the holiness of God, you'd stop hearing the bells. So if you're the wife of the priest, you're listening for the bells on that day. Otherwise, the bells stop ringing, you cash in your life insurance, it's over. And what would happen? The priest would die and they'd have to use the rope and they'd pull him out and be sad for the people because their sins hadn't been taken care of. So see, the life in the Old Testament, the only way any man could be right with God was a temporary fix. It was offering bloody sacrifices. The problem was when that sacrifice was offered, at that moment, you were right with God. But on the way back to your little tent, you yelled at your wife, you blew it, you sinned, and you needed to go back, but you had to wait another year to be right with God again. And the other thing, in the Old Testament, when the animal sacrifices came, your sin was never really forgiven. It was just covered over. Kofar. You see, the Old Testament said this. And the Old Testament covenant included lots of laws, moral laws, good things, included the Ten Commandments, but some other things. If you would break one of the Ten Commandments, how many know we do that all the time? If you just break one, you were guilty of what? Breaking them all. So man could never be right with God. It was a pretty miserable situation. Now to that impossible situation, the Old Covenant, the Jews and the Pharisees made it worse. They added 600 plus other little teeny rules and regulations. So you lived your life like this. Did I do wrong? Can I step here? Can I move here? Can I turn here? Can I do this? Can I comb my hair? It was a miserable life. It was rules and regulations and you were never right with God. How miserable a way. Now, some of you have had oh, fillings and things like that or root canals and they always put a little temporary root canal in there. Don't you like that sound after they, they do that? And that, that it was always meant to be temporary because they take it out and put the permanent one in. Well, the old covenant was always meant to be temporary. It was to look forward to the day when the perfect sacrifice would come. So Jesus is calling the old shirt the old covenant. Now, when Jesus came, he was coming to this earth to do two things. First of all, he was going to fulfill this old covenant. By the way, we're not under the old covenant today. We're under the new covenant. And when I explain to you what that is, you're going to be excited about it. The old covenant needed to be fulfilled because God couldn't look on sin. How could it be fulfilled? required the perfect sacrifice, that was Jesus Christ. So when he died on the cross, shed his blood, it, there's no remission of sin without the shedding of blood. When he shed his blood, it was a perfect sacrifice. No more animal sacrifices are needed. Once and for all was done. Now man could be right with God. So the Old Testament, the Old Covenant was fulfilled. He finished it. He perfected it. Now we're going to live under the new covenant. And the new covenant is based on one thing. Grace. God's wonderful mercy and His wonderful grace. So what happens is, when you come to Jesus Christ and accept Him, and you confess your sins, two things happen to your sins. Number one, they're forgiven. Not just covered. And number two, they're forgotten. Victory. Victory. Huh? See, forgotten. Forgotten. Wow. You can't find that anywhere else. 
There's no other place to find it. That's only God. So what happened? So Jesus is comparing. Let's take again. We have the old shirt that's been washed many times, and we have this new piece of cloth that's brand new. The new piece of cloth is what? It's the new covenant. It's the grace and mercy of God. So the Jews said, well, we have this old way of doing things. It's a little holy and whatever. Take this new thing you're bringing Jesus and kind of patch it in here. No, you don't patch it in. It couldn't fit. It would rip a bigger hole. It doesn't work. So here's basically what Jesus is saying as he's saying to them this illustration. He's saying this, you can't combine the old laws and rules and regulation with the gospel of grace. Here's a very important statement for you. Jesus never came to patch up your life. He came to give you a brand new life. You see, the world does nothing. You know, if you get a flat tire, you put that spray stuff in your tire. You get these little rubber things that pop it in here, and you, your, your tire, boom, 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 boom. You can hear that little sucker out there on the side, can't you? That's not what God did. He didn't want to make a retread out of you. So what he did, he says, you can't do that. It's got to be brand new. Wait, let me read you 2 Corinthians 5.17. You guys know it. It says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old is what? gone and the new has come. Now, follow this. The old religion, the old system was built on man trying to be right with God. That's why there was holes in it. You could never be good enough to get to God. Even on your best day. You blow it. I blow it. So, the Jews wanted God to patch this with His new covenant. But here's what Jesus does when you come to the Lord. Follow me. In the privacy of your life, he takes your old ragged shirt off and he says, put your hands up and he puts over you a brand new shirt of righteousness. You're covered with, you're right with God now. Now it's a gift from God. You don't get on a Kmart, take your wall out and buy it. It's a gift. It's grace. And that's where the joy is and that's where excitement is. So when you're a Christian this morning, you're a new person. Yeah, you may still be overweight and got arthritis or whatever, but your spirit is new. You're right with God. And the Jews couldn't understand that. Now, as Jesus went through that, the people still didn't get it. So he says, let me give you another illustration. Here's illustration number two, quickly. Look down at verse 22. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins. And both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, he pours new wine into new wine skins. They didn't have no deposit, no return bottles in those days. There was no glass. So if you had liquid, they would skin animals, in this particular case, goats. They would skin them, partially tan that skin, and somebody with a real fine needle would sew up that goat skin so it could hold water. It would be watertight. They would then put those liquids into these skins. Now, what Jesus is saying is this. The old skins, after you use them a number of times over the years, they'd get hard and crispy. And they'd just be too rigid to hold any liquid. If you put liquid into it, it would leak out. So what Jesus was saying is this old Judaism, this old way of trying to be right with God by offering sacrifices, by trying to be good enough, by doing through religious ritual, it won't work. It can't hold the new wine. Are you feeling worn out and tired? Do you feel like you need a break from the ministry? 
Well, in today's message, we learned that when that sort of thing happens, it could be as a result of you doing the work in your own strength. It could be that you're not relying on the tools God has made available to you. Or perhaps you're serving in an area that He hasn't called you to. Seek Him. He is faithful to give you direction. Facebook and Twitter have become a regular part of our everyday lives, and we want to be sure to encourage you to check out our Facebook page and Twitter feed. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links. You can find information about everything that's happening at Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time on Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will remind us that God provides for His children. He's given them many beautiful promises in the Bible. Promises of provision, promises of joy and peace. He has vowed to never leave or forsake His sheep. So believe in that. Trust in Him. Don't grow weary in doing good. Utilize the gifts that God's given you to serve with. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through the Gospel of Mark. That's next time on Lessons for Living. 